All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Good. So this is a big, <clears throat> oh, there we go. Sorry. <laughs> this is a big, big book. We This week, we read Cold Hearted Rake by Lisa Kleypas. Um, it's the first in her Ravenel series, which is her current series. The The most recent book she released was of this series. Yeah. I mean, should we just jump right into the book? We don't really have anything to talk about up top. All right. So before we talk about the book, should we judge the cover? And there's only one cover, which I was surprised by. And or Goodreads just did a full update. And I find the new page almost impossible to navigate. So it's possible I missed the other editions, but this is the only edition I've ever seen. Well, I would assume since it's 2015 that it probably does only have one cover, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't think these changed from, were they released in hardcover? I don't know. That's a good question. I think they might have been because remember the Devil's Daughter is in the Ravenel series and I believe that was in hardcover. Okay. Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, the one that we're seeing here is the mass market paperback. Mm -hmm. And it shows... With a step back. With a step back, which is great. And it shows uh, Kathleen looking coquettish over her shoulder in a a pink dress. And it's a... I like it. (laughs) And I guess it's Eversby Priory is behind her. And it's all done in this, like, teal, like, tint. I think it's a really striking cover. I think it's beautiful. Also, the cover model looks like what Kathleen is supposed to look like as well. So I love it. I think it's a beautiful cover. Claypas covers are, on the whole, pretty gorgeous. Yeah, and the step back is uh, awesome as well. I actually have the physical copy Oh, so, what's yeah. the step back? I don't know it. So it's it's uh, Devin holding on to Kathleen and from behind, mm-hmm. and her dress is flowing, and his shirt is like half off. Love it. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I can... Go- oh, yeah. That's a yeah. good one. It's like just <laughs> classic. It's just like a classic. Yeah. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. At all. Love the, a good step back. What was this book about? So this book was about Kathleen Ravenel, who was married to Theo for three days. He got drunk and and got bucked off a horse and died. So Devin Ravenel and West Ravenel, which were his cousins... They, uh, well, Devin inherits the uh, estate and it's in disrepair. And he's thinking, man, this is going to be such a burden on my swinging lifestyle as a scoundrel. So I need to kick out this girl, her sisters, and sell this thing piece by piece. And West is just a drunk who's along for the ride. And needless to say, they both changed their ways. 
Devin falls in love with Kathleen, who is who who is in mourning, even though she does not really actually care for Theo because he was a bad guy. And she she is like refusing to stop mourning. Uh, Devin has to get her out of that. And West, who was kind of a layabout and a drunk, gets really invested in rehabilitating all of the land that they own, including the farms that the the renters live on and things like that. And and then we also have the introduction of Reese Reese with Winterborn. I'm going to say Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Reese I didn't make that connection till this moment, but yeah, that is confusing. Reese Winterborn, who owns a disbarment store, is super, super rich, and he's on his way with Devin to visit the kingdom or whatnot, and <laughs> they get in a train accident, and he's and Winterborn is blinded for a for a short period of time, and. Theo's sister Helen it takes care of him and then it gets bequeathed to him in a way and then that's set up for the next book. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on in this book. Mm-hmm. Something that I like about this book and we've talked about a lot is how difficult it is to write the first book in a series Mm-hmm. because you're trying to write a complete novel, obviously, but you're also trying to set up other novels. So basically, every named character in this book gets their own novel <laughs> and more. Yes. So something that I like about this book, and it's funny because when we had talked about reading The Ravnells, I was like, I don't even want to read Cold Hearted Rake. Like, I don't remember liking it. Which upon reread, I was like, what was I on that I didn't like this book? Because I really loved it. And I think it's a perfect setting up a series because it doesn't try to sneak in the other characters in a way that I think sometimes a first book of the series does, where it's like a nod to like, oh, maybe that person will get a book. Maybe that person will get a book. And in this, it's pretty explicit. Like, all these motherfuckers are getting books. Like, Mm -hmm. don't worry about it. Like, you're going to learn about all these people. And I just thought it was a really brilliant setup and how it even starts cheating Marrying Winterborn, the next book in the series, before this book is even done, like, you know where you're going next. And I think it's something, I don't know if it's unique to romance, because romance is the only, like, real serial uh, of books that I read. But it, it was really great and a, and a great uh, embrace of the genre to sort of be like, uh, you guys know where this is going. I'm not going to mess around you know, here's just a book that you love and we're setting up all these characters for them to go. And I I really loved it. What were your thoughts on the book? Yeah, same thing. Like, I am, I was kind of, reading this, I was kind of confused as to why you were, you also were like, we should just skip this one. Like, when initially when we were talking about it. Because also, it, it does, like, lay the groundwork for the entire series. <laughs> it was so dumb. I, what, I don't know what I... And finally, I think one of you guys reached out to me and was like, Aaron, it kind of sets up Marrying Winterborn. Like, you do have to read Cold Hearted Rake. And thank you, whoever that was. Because you're 100% right. And it would have been so stupid if we had not done this. Because the end of this book is this great moment with an orchid 
that Helen has where she, it, you know, it, it sparks something about Winterborn. And if we hadn't read that, unless it's reiterated in the in that in that book, I just don't think it'd be as powerful, you know? No, because you kind of know what it all means to her and you get a sense of sort of what she's been through. And yeah. I, I have read Marrying Winterborn, but it was a while ago. And so I don't really remember it like beat for beat. But I think it's interesting to see the start of a courtship, not from the main character's point of view, you mm-hmm. know? But I mean, in general, I, I, I so the thing with Kleypas is she always does stuff that in other author's hands I would dislike, which there is a lot of Winterborn and Helen in this book where there is a level of, okay, can we get back to Devin and Kathleen real quick just to kind of wrap this up? You know what I mean? Not that I dislike them because I did like them, but there was a level of, you know, there's a lot in this book. I, I didn't hate any of it. I loved it all. But I was shocked at how much we were going to deal with somebody who was going to be a, get their full book next. I think the thing with Devin and Kathleen, and I agree, like, I love their story. But I do think there's, it is kind of a, like a, a love at first sight almost for him. Like when he first comes to Eversby and takes the veil off of her. <laughs> she wears this veil. I know they all it's like, listen, all the morning attire is fantastic. It takes out the veil and sees her like he's basically in love from that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes a while for him to actually like accept that maybe a little too long. And I think for her, it's very similar in that they're kind of enemies to lovers in that their romance or like their love language is a little bit of like picking at each other or that sort of thing where it's like you're like I like somebody so much why does everything they do annoy the shit out of me exactly yeah so you know and I think there's not just there just isn't a ton in their store like there's not a ton there there which is fine because I think if this was book three in a series I think I would be a little bit more like, oh, this, you know, the, the romance isn't super tight. But I feel like for book one, this is almost kind of what you want because they didn't have a ton of obstacles. Like, basically, once Devin accepted that he was going to keep Eversby, like he wasn't going to try to sell it all off, a, there was a little bit of deflation as far as what was going to happen yeah, with and him he, and Kathleen. And he kind of agrees to keep it very quickly in the book. Yes. And I I get you. I mean, I guess now thinking about it, I kind of understand why you were maybe a little bit cold on this one because of the central romance not being as exceptional as they usually are in a Kleypas book. I mean, like you said, they pick at each other. There's this great series of letters they write to each other where i mean the big thing with Devin is he's like stop mourning you don't care really like (laughs) this is dumb and she had these big black curtains she put up and he sent her a letter and was like i want you to send me those big black curtains because they're gonna i'm gonna have someone sew them into coats for poor people and you wouldn't want poor people to get uh cold right i mean 
uh, that's a lot more important than mourning, isn't it? And so she sends him this big crate. And it's like this just back and forth shit. And he gets her this beautiful, what is it, a shawl? Yeah. From from Winterborn's store that is like beautiful colors. And she's upset because it's not black. And she says she dyes it black and he's upset. But she doesn't actually dye it black because she does wear it around and makes her feel great. But it's just that kind of stuff where they're going back and forth, which was enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Claypass is just watching Claypass have two people fall in love is more entertaining than most things, you know? Like, she just knows how to do those moments. And there are so many moments in this book that are amazing. Kathleen was kind of um, abandoned by her parents and raised by relatives who were very, very strict. And so she didn't feel like she could show emotion ever. Mm -hmm. And she didn't really cry when her husband died. She felt a lot of guilt because he had tried to have sex with her while he was really drunk. And she was obviously like not into it. And then they kind of fought about that. Mm -hmm. So like her first husband was kind of a dick. And um, then he went to ride this Arabian horse and died the horse threw him so finally when she's with Devin she's able to really like break down and tell the story and like show these big emotions and he just kind of holds her the whole time and that's what like after that he's basically like yeah I'm staying and we're gonna sort of make a go of this the funny thing about that is that they do make a big deal about how she never cries and then she does cry pretty quickly right in the book. And I was like, uh, that's an interesting choice because it would feel like the crying thing would happen at the climax because she was the woman who doesn't cry. I do. I do. I understand. I, I, I thought that, too. But also, I think it's if she's never had anybody to be a stable force in her life, because if there's, you know, her parents who were shitty and then the people who raised her who were like very obsessed with like propriety and how to act and, you know, wouldn't let her have emotion, then I do think then the first time somebody is like, no, it's okay. Like you can have emotion with me. Like I have you physically, Mm -hmm. like he's holding her. That is such a relief. And that's such a letting go. You know how like sometimes, or I don't know if men experience this, but like, I feel like I'll be like on the verge of tears or something really upsetting will happen. And I'll be like, holding on to it, I'll be fine. But then the second somebody is like, are you okay? Then I lose it. You know, it's when you get that little bit of compassion or that little bit of humanity that then you really fall apart. I liked that it happened, like it was always going to happen with Devin and that that sort of cracked something open in her where then she was able to experience more emotion and she was able to sort of like start coming out of mourning early. So West... Now, is he looked at as one of Claypus's great heroes? Mm-hmm. People are very group? excited for you to read West. Okay. So I am also very excited to read his book <laughs> because of all the characters in this novel, he stood out to me the most as, oh, yeah, I'm rooting for this guy. Because, you know, he's kind of like the sardonic, drunk, he's a little bit puffy, all this stuff. And then he gets really invested 
in maintaining the land, trying to turn this thing around. He's so nice to Theo's sisters. And he just he just seems to be a good guy. And I'm like really excited to see his story. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know who he ends up with? No, I don't want to know yet. Okay, okay. I mean, I'll know as soon as we read like the back of whatever that book is when we flap mm-hmm. it. But right now I don't want to know. Okay. But I do think uh, whoever it is, it's I'm going to be very excited because, yeah, he just he just was this great, fun character, always had a good witty thing to say. I mean, that's Kleypa's characters are that way. I mean, she's just so good at writing that kind of stuff. It's it it's almost embarrassing to to other people who probably have to struggle a lot. It just seems like it flows right. And of course, she'll probably say it's very hard to write and it is, but it just feels so effortless when she has uh, like a character's voice down. Mhm. Where they just say the the most perfect, f- funny, clever thing. Yes. And it, her characters, everyone sounds different, mm-hmm. which is also very hard to do. I mean, we're both writers. And I think that's a note that you get, or not you specifically, but that like people talk about a lot is like making sure each of your characters sound unique. And I think if you were to read a line from a Claypest character, like you'd pretty much know who it was. Mm-hmm. She definitely has archetypes. And I think Winterborn and Zachary Bronson and Derek Craven are all kind of a type. And Tom Severin uh, is a type. And, but anyway, to say I agree, West, West is really fun. All of the characters are great. I think all the sisters are great. Pandora and Cassandra are really wonderful, too, and weird kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're weirdos. Yeah. Um, how about the scene where, you know, Devin is having Eversby all fixed and putting in modern plumbing and everything, and so Kathleen can't be in her bedroom, so she's staying in the master bedroom, and she goes into what she thinks is her bathroom and there's a naked Devin in the bath. That That's such an awesome scene because then it turns into a servant comes and mm-hmm. tries to come in and he has to stop the door from opening and he's naked and wet and pressed up against Kathleen. Yeah. And that and she is thinking, oh, is that his hip? Oh, wait, that's not. That is something <laughs> else. And she tells us, and Kathleen also had talked before about going to a museum and seeing a sculpture of mm-hmm. of uh, like a man and the leaf had fallen off and shattered and mm-hmm. she was like fascinated with the organ underneath. And then she peeks at him outside in the hallway when he goes to grab a towel and sees that he's hung like a hog, (laughs) even bigger than Theo. And just she's it's such a great scene because it's I I mean, I think we're both very into that voyeurist voyeuristic elements of these Mm -hmm. books sometimes. And that's such a great that's such a great scene. The whole thing, the pressed up against her and then her peeking in on him. It's like 
It's so great. That's such a great scene. Yeah. And the other thing about Devin and Kathleen is they like to fuck wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of times in this book when they just start going at it, and I'm like, guys, guys, you live in a house full of people. Yeah. But, like, they when they have sex in the in the breakfast room. Yes. When she maybe gets pregnant, she's riding him, and then she's having such a great time that when he comes, she like doesn't get off him or, and doesn't really understand that's what she's supposed to do. I think either like the scene is very well written in a way where obviously in the Duke and I, it's a bit more um, like uh, purposeful and has kind of a sinister tinge to it. Like there's no, nothing sinister about what happens here, even though it's yeah. kind of the same result. Mm-hmm. Cause then there might be a secret baby. Oh shit! <laughs> you know, you know if there is or not, right? I actually don't re- like. I, I, they end up having children. I don't know if she's pregnant in this moment, but I, but may, I mean, maybe she. Listen, her courses are late, so you know Could what? Be. I, I uh, so so uh, talking about that scene where she like peeks in on him or out that door and sees him. This this there's a, there's a moment in a movie that always stuck with me, and I think it like perfectly encapsulates how, at least, I mean, I think that it's still this way. Well, you know what? Movies aren't sexual at all nowadays, so yeah. it's not this way at all. But like, there is a movie called I Love Trouble with Julia Roberts and Nick Nolte. Do you remember this movie at all? It was in the nineties, <laughs> and it was off of Julia Roberts. You know, big pretty woman and she was like this huge star but that she had this kind of law where she did pretty bad movies mm-hmm. and in this movie she is teamed up with Nick Nolte I can't even remember the thing is she a reporter and he's a cop or something or they're both reporters but they're they're in a hotel room together and the door is cracked and he's in the bathroom after a shower or something. And she peeks in and she looks at his butt (laughs) and she's like excited to see Nick Nolte's butt. And even as like a kid, I thought there's no way Julia Roberts is excited to see Nick Nolte's butt. (laughs) Like it it just, it really just illuminated (laughs) how these young actresses have to look at these old sacks of meat (laughs) <laughs> and pretend they're like excited. And I remember seeing that and being like, this is ridiculous. And then you, you read a romance novel and read a book like this and you see Kathleen peeking on Devin and you're like, yes, that makes sense to me. Like yes. that, that is something that makes sense. And mm-hmm. it just shows the stark difference between how, you know, a a mainstream audience or a mainstream writer looks at women's, uh, you know, sexuality and and what they lust after compared to what a woman writing a romance novel portrays. And I and I think we'd be remiss to not also say that there are like very specific body types for men in romance novels as well. Like it's always these, you know, it's these men of the peerage who also have, are all pugilist mm-hmm. <laughs> and have these very like cut physiques. But I think it works because you know the person 
and then you see that. Yes, it, it, it it's a combination, obviously, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, that's the thing is like my my big thing was just yeah I, I I think I'm belaboring it, but yeah, that's the thing is like they are able to imbue characters with a personality, but that's the thing is like there's also bad romance novels where it's just a guy with abs and that's why they're attracted to them and then those novels are not good (laughs) you know oh yeah i think if you don't have all of the sort of magic around the lead up to that moment of anticipation you know then it's harder i mean then it's it's just kind of falls flat but i think that's with you know well, the way people talk about romance novels that, oh, they're just like porn or something like that. It's like without the lead up, it's kind of just a little boring to me, you know? Oh, absolutely. There has to be that connection. There has to be some sort of psychology behind it. If it is just sex, that's the problem with erotica I have is like it, it, they're thin. It, most, of the, the, most of the erotica I've read is mm-hmm. thinly drawn characters that they're just plowing forward till they can have sex. And that's just mm-hmm. not erotic to me. Yeah, it's well, it, yeah, it's like in the moment, I guess, if that's what you need, then that's what you'll go for. But to just read it to the way that you would read a romance novel, it's not really the same. No, I, there, that is interesting because like, you know, t- talking about body types and stuff, I think something that Claypes is like a little bit obsessed with <laughs> Is the idea of a very tiny heroine and a very very big hero mm-hmm. like that's well, her favorite trope? How uh, uh, not to you know psychoanalyze, but how 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 tall is Claypus? Is she a smaller woman? I have no idea about her physicality. She, well, I, I know she, I know she was a beauty queen at some point. Yeah, I mean she's a thin woman. If you see pictures of her, but I'm talking uh, height. Height. I don't know. I mean, it's her own thing. I think you re- when you read romance novels, you see you're ultimately reading how the author also views themselves and how they view how they go through the world. So I would not be surprised if Lisa Kleypas is a smaller person because that's kind of who she writes. Yeah, I'm looking up on these like this these sites. That are like, what's her net worth and all this stuff? Unknown height, unknown weight. Yeah. We're not going to talk about anybody's weight. But I'm just saying. I know, I know. It was so gross. It was so gross because I was was like, oh, Lisa Claypass height. And then it was like, Lisa Claypass height and weight. And I was like, I don't want to know her weight. That's rude. I just want to know how (laughs) tall she is. Because height is not rude. Weight is rude. And the other thing about this book, if you look at the Goodreads, or yeah, if you look at reviews and stuff, people hate Kathleen. What? I mean, she's not great, but why do they hate her? She's an unlikable heroine. And I think back, and like, obviously, that's a term that everybody hates, and I think is on the way out for obvious reasons. But why? Why? Why can you not say someone's unlikable? Because there's this idea that, you know, like men, like so many men heroes are like awful and torturers and murderers and uh, treat people abominably and uh, are emotionally constipated. And historically, women weren't afforded that same ability to be a multidimensional character. A lot of times in the beginning, they these women were like 
impossibly beautiful and impossibly sweet and kind. And they weren't able to have the full range of human emotions or human personality traits. Mm -hmm. And I think as that started to change and you started to get heroines who were more self-actualized and independent and made their own decisions, they weren't afforded the same ability to also make bad decisions or have personality traits that aren't as fantastic. And Kathleen is hardly, I mean, as far as like the decisions she makes, she's, she doesn't like fall at the hero's feet immediately, but she's trying to protect Eversby. She's trying to protect these women that she's fallen in love with. And she sees his family. She's trying to protect a house full of servants. She's a lot on her shoulders. And I think Mm -hmm. she doesn't always treat Devin with respect or she yells at him or she is rude to him in a ways that like he deserves. He's very rude and very cruel to her as well. But I just think that like 2015 feels like not that long ago. Maybe it was a little bit longer ago in the span of like sort of how romance novels have evolved. But yeah, people really hated her because I think she wasn't like a traditional heroine in that. I just feel like we've read so many modern romance novels that she didn't stand out to me as as especially unlikable. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. What was the book that we just read where people hated the heroine and we both were like, what? It was just a recent one. It was just like the one of the last maybe two or three books we read. Let me see. And she and 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 we uh, there was uh, a lot of Goodreads lists that were talking about how unlikable she was. I remember the madness like, of Ian McKenzie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where people didn't like her, and it was like, what? I guess, I guess my, I, I, I don't know. I mean, this is I, I'm not to not to say. Uh, I, I think what I find unlikable in a. And a heroine is not what people normally find unlikable, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's the difference between me. I, I just feel like Kathleen, she's not my favorite heroine by far. Like, I just don't. And neither is Devin's not my favorite hero. Yeah. But I, I don't find her to be unlikable. I agree with you. She's in a situation that sucks. And she's trying to do what she's supposed to do, which is mourn. But she's not into it because Theo was a piece of shit. So... I feel for her. Like, mm-hmm. she's supposed to do what the fucking standard is. And then Devin's like, well, you don't have to go by the standard. It's like, well, you're not a woman, so you can't tell me that I can't, I don't have to go by these standards because it's not on you. It's all going to be on me. If yeah, someone exactly. looks at me and is like, why are you wearing the, that uh, brightly colored shawl? Didn't your husband just die? Mm-hmm. Right. So like that's I guess people have a right to say what they want to say. But I guess that's why when I ask, like, why can't you use the word unlikable? It's because it's used. The connotation of it is just a woman who says what stands up for herself and doesn't kowtow to a man is all of a sudden unlikable. Yeah. I guess I was being too like naive when I was. Well, why can't you call a woman unlikable? It's all because any woman who says anything that people don't like, she's unlikable. Mm-hmm. But men are straight shooters. Yes. Yep. Exactly. I think women, you you are just judged more harshly 
in culture mm-hmm. and, you know, in books as well than men. And so we don't say unlikable hero, you know? Yeah, it's like anti-hero or complicated hero or Yeah, villainous like hero. Yeah. And not, yeah. And so it's not that you're not allowed to say unlikable heroine. <laughs> like, it's not a slur. Like, you can say it. But it's just not a category that people are, like, too jazzed about because I think it's, it's like, well, like you said, what is an unlikable heroine? An unlikable heroine is, is a woman who doesn't kowtow to the hero. Mm-hmm. So we don't like her. Which is not true. We do like those people. I like Kathleen. I think she's in a difficult situation. She's doing the best she can. She feels like an actual human being who is Mm -hmm. making like human being choices. Because I think sometimes heroines in the books that we read can be making like superhuman choices or can be like overly too sweet and accommodating Mm-hmm. When they don't need to be and wouldn't be. And it's like, yeah, most women faced with Dev and Ravnell showing up, like drunk and saying, oh, we're going to sell your house, fire everybody you love. And then you and these three women all have to like live in a tiny shack together. Wouldn't be like, oh, I bet he's good underneath. Yeah. Like, Fuck this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's an asshole. I don't care that he's very handsome. Well, the so- other thing that Kleypas loves is animals in the house. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, the pig, Hamlet. That's what I just, I think I'm just a big no animals in the house guy. You are. It's like, why? It's, you got this nice house. It's clean. Why would you let an animal in the house? Ha- animals don't belong in houses. They just don't. They don't belong in houses. Period. They don't. A house is for humans, and animals belong outside of the house. Now, Animals d- deserve respect and to be treated well, and they're part of the ecosystem. And I don't think that I- I'm very anti-animal cruelty of any kind, but they just don't belong in homes. They just don't. Yeah, they adopt a pig. Well, Wes brings home a pig for the twins. Yes, Wes and the twins uh, and Helen is also like the secondary familial love story you know mm-hmm. there's nothing romantic happening there but it, it it is really lovely to see kind of him fall in love with these women i mean all four of them he falls in love with all of them it, again in his in his like a sisterly way in a way that i think is really sweet so mm-hmm. he like there's a farmer who's about to kill this pig and he decides to take it home because he thinks that the girls will think it's really cute and they do yeah um, I, the thing with the pig is like, can you house train a pig? And if not, then that pig is shitting everywhere. And that's the thing that I can't deal with. Yeah, of course. You can't, you can't house train a pig. A pig doesn't know what a house is. <laughs> I mean, there are pigs who live in, didn't George Clooney used to have a pet pig? Yeah, but he didn't fucking clean up its shit. And it was in like a wing of his house that he never went to, I bet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And they end up having to get rid of him because he's getting too big and he never got castrated. Yeah. So that pig was about to start ruining some furniture. Yeah. So the pig ends about and they end up with just Josephine and Napoleon and that's it. Just the dogs. Oh, yeah. Just the dogs. <laughs> what a, what I don't a, remember if there's any other exotic animals as we go on in the story. I imagine there has to be. She loves them. She loves them. It's one of ferrets. It's one of ugh. It's one of ferret. God damn it! 
It's just it, it's it's one of the things. I mean, listen, <laughs> I love Claypus books, and it's one of the things I put up with when I read them. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't. Yeah. She she can't own a ferret. Who? There's no way Claypus has ever owned a ferret. That'd be insane. Oh, I, I have no idea. I would. I'm putting. I'm putting all these things on her. Like, uh, I know like she is the, a real a human being. <laughs> Well, no, but 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 it's also like you can write stuff and not have experienced Experienced it it for yourself. You know, maybe she just has a bunch of ferrets. Who knows? Maybe she just lives in a house full of ferrets, like a nightmare scenario. That'd be a nightmare for you for sure. All right. Well, let's let's get to the big question here because this will be interesting, Mm -hmm. and I think we should leave it just to the the. The main couple. main couple here because it's it, we don't want to give anything else away. Would you fuck them? Yes. Okay. I would. Say. I mean, well, yeah. What about you? Yeah, of course. I'd fuck them both. Yeah. I mean, they both seemed like Devin seemed amazing in bed. Um, and there's so many good sex scenes in this book. I must say, mm-hmm. like we say that the romance is thin. I, I think just emotionally, it's like they're so clearly together, and you don't ever really feel the obstacle. No. You know how in some romances you're like, how are they going to get past this thing or this thing in order to be together? And this is like, oh, they just have to like wake up and realize they're in love with each other. But they have sex everywhere. They have sex in a carriage. They have sex in the breakfast room. It's great. And I think maybe, and I might be wrong about this, but since they're kind of like the foundation of this mm-hmm. whole series, to make them just be, this is, we're together, that's it, we fuck a lot, and this is going to be like the glue that holds all these people together, mm-hmm. I feel like that's why that's the case here. Because you don't want to build a series on an on a initial unstable couple, you know? Right. Like one yeah. that seems a little bit more wobbly than this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, Lisa does such a great job teasing the next book that like, so the way that we're doing this summer, I think we've already talked about this, but basically every other book is going to be a Ravenel book. So yeah. our next book is not going to be a Ravenel book. But no. I was like so tempted, like, oh, maybe I could just start reading Mary Winterborn now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I won't because we aren't going to be talking about it for a few weeks. So yeah, because you'll I'll forget it again by that time. I'll never forget. No, I might forget some stuff. Um, all right, should we do Goodreads list? Let's do it. Best rogue rake romance books. Yes. I mean, you don't ever see him being a rogue or rake, other than him saying he is. I trust him- that he is, though. Oh, yeah. And him just talking about, like, oh, I never really committed to a woman. And it's like, okay, I don't know. Um, Lords, Dukes, Rakes, Oh My. Mm-hmm. Earl Sizzles. Yeah, he is an Earl. Mm-hmm. Hot Earls, I guess that's supposed to be. Icy Heroine Forced to Feel by Alpha Hero. Is he? I mean, we always have this question about being alpha or like it's it's an outdated sort of connotation at this point but i mean i guess i would say he's an alpha yeah i mean when he when she goes to winterborn to break off the engagement for helen and devin walks in and sees winterborn and her talking like he loses his mind i mean there are bigger alphas i guess Mm -hmm. but as far as like being a take control kind of person i think he is and she is quote unquote icy 
at least in yeah. the beginning. I think she had a tough life. Okay. Emotionally charged and super sexy, sexy historical romance from the beginning. Yes. Hot, steamy, sensual historical romance books. Yes. Best of Lisa Claypest number two. So there are two lists. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's hard because like what what's not a good Claypest, you know, so it's yes. I think if you were making a list of one and two, like this I would be on that, two. Yeah, I think this would be on two, but not to say it's not a great book. Mm hmm. Best romance books with a virgin he- widow. Yeah. I. <sighs> what? This sort of like um, virginity as a prize thing is still in this book. And I hope that it's going away because it is also it's like, well, what if she hadn't been a virgin? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I don't understand why that was necessary because Devin shows up three months after Theo has died. So it's not as if you have to worry, like, is this person, like, is Kathleen pregnant by um, Theo or anything like that? Like, you would know at that stage that she wasn't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, this sort of uh, virginity as commodity, I, I find it boring. But, you know, here we are. Um, money for titles, impoverished noblemen and wealthy heiresses. Uh, does that fit into this? Because he's definitely indebted, right? He's got a lot of debt going into this. Mm-hmm. And then she's not really wealthy, right? I mean, they... No, she's, they're all... Everybody's they're poor. They're all poor. Yeah. So this take it off the list. Yeah, it doesn't work. Wes finds iron ore on the land. Th- that's a big... Yeah, that's, uh, that's funny. We totally forgot to talk about that. But yeah, and they keep that. They sell... Mm-hmm the part of the title of the land for the railroad, but they keep the minerals, which are the most, the, the, I guess the sweetest peach. (laughs) Now I don't understand this and I refuse to look at other books on this list, but it's caught in a bread romance. Okay. I, I have no clue. I mean, (laughs) if you don't know, then surely I can't know. (laughs) <laughs> is there anything in a bread? Is it just a misprint? Were they supposed to say bad romance, bread romance? What's a bread romance? I don't know. What could that possibly be? Yeah, I bet you there's people screaming at their 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 uh, their MP3 player, being like, "How do you not know this?" It's I know. been over 200 I mean, episodes. Uh, like, there's some great books on this list as well. So, I don't know. It's just something what's, we don't know. What's understand. some of the other books on there? That is there any other books we've read? A Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole. Hate to Want You by Alicia Rye. Nine Rules to Rake While Romancing a Rake by Sarah McLean. The Duchess War by Courtney Milan. The Governess Game by Tessa Dare, which we should really read. Is it something about like romance? Like rising, like you know how bread rises. So the the like subtitle is toast life boat romance recommendations. Toast like <laughs> what? 
I feel toast? like we're being pranked. I feel like this is like a like how everybody's doing Morbius memes. Like somebody just came <laughs> up with like, let's call something bread romance and to fuck with everybody's head. Yeah, toast life boat romance recommendations. We don't know, to- guys. Toast you know life. Like- wait, toast life boat. Yes. I feel like I'm going insane. <laughs> I don't know. Toast lifeboat? Like, is it lifeboat? Or life... Uh, Each is li- it its own word. Toast, life, boat. Oh, my God. Somebody please explain this to us. <laughs> it's probably from, like, another podcast or something, and we're just like, I don't know. Oh, are we um, going to be, like, caught out that we don't listen to this po- a certain podcast now because we don't understand this? Yeah, I guess so. I I don't know. We don't listen to every podcast, guys, so. You know what? Somebody out there make a list that has some sort of connection to our podcast that no one else would understand so mm-hmm. that we can make some other podcast feel like idiots. <laughs> um, the war starts now. The war starts here. Petite heroine, big hero. Yes. Historical romance that should be made into a movie. I mean, series, but yes. Yes. Because I would say, too, and obviously there are so many series that would be ripe for adaptation. Obviously, Sarah McLean's Hell's Bells. But I think something that is great about this book in particular is how much external conflict there is and how much this book sets up every other storyline in a way that the first season or the pilot of a show also does the same. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're going to change things when you adapt anything. So it's not like it's it's going to be verbatim, but I think that there's so much there that the adaptation would be pretty simple. I don't know. I think it could be great, but you know, yeah. If anyone's out there listening, romance married by special license elopement. They don't get married in this book. I mean, they talk yeah. about it. Yeah, that's weird. Hate at first sight. Yeah. He loves her. She doesn't like him. Yeah. Well, because what he represents, you know? Right. Worst romance ever. Unfair, I think. What's up with people? No. Of course this no, is No, it's like... very good. <laughs> yeah. I think it's that thing, too. When you But when you stack it up against other clay pieces, it's really hard because she is so perfection mm-hmm. that a book of hers that would be somebody else's best book they've ever written for her is like middling, you yeah. know, the curve of clay is so strict. Mm-hmm. Um, horses in romance novels. Yes. Yes. Great horse. MC grieving a dead spouse or a love in romance. Yes. Yeah. Weird inheritance romance. You know, actually, sorry to go back, but it'd be a really funny rap name is MC (laughs) Grieving a Dead Spouse. (laughs) MC Grieving. Adding the dead spouse is so funny, though, because it's like, well, oh, wow. So you're doing you're rapping because you're sad, I guess. Uh, but yes, weird inheritance romance. Which is a it is a trope that I love. Weird inheritances. I would love to just get an I would love to get a letter that's just like you have an aunt you don't know about, she liked you for some reason, and here's a Manhattan apartment. I mean, it'd be the yeah. best thing in the world. 
If any, if I could go back in time and tell my relatives to just buy real estate in Manhattan, none of them did. Nobody did. Oh, it's my biggest regret that my uh, family never bought in the city. No. It's my My, biggest regret. My biggest regret, too. My great-grandmother was supposed to come to New York, and she was supposed to come through Ellis Island, but she jumped off the boat early in Boston. Decisions I can't understand. Why would she do that? Couldn't be me, nanny. Ugh. Best historical romance series. I mean, people love this series. I can't say yet because mm-hmm. I haven't read all of them. So we'll see. His Irish heroes and heroines in historical romance. Kathleen is Irish. Yes, she is Irish. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of there's uh she's Irish. Winterborne is Welsh. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get a lot of uh, him talking Welsh in the next uh, – because when, uh, when he was in pain, he would speak in Welsh, Winterborn. Yeah. I right. love Welsh. I used to work with a Welsh girl, and then she would speak Welsh all the time, and it, I always thought it was so fun. It's so, like, singy-songy. There's a band called Super Furry Animals, and they're Welsh – and mm-hmm. they think they put out an album, if I'm not mistaken, that is entirely sung in Welsh. It's great. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, it's just hard for, it's like one of those accents, though, that it's like Reese is supposed to be this like very strict and exacting, like macho guy. But Welsh is such a like, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Accent that it's like, it is always incongruous to me to be like, and then he would speak with like this little thing, sort of. I don't know. It makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, Clayton, what are your tropes? My tropes are grieving heroine, scoundrel hero, mm-hmm. big family, I guess uh, rehabilitating an estate would be one. Heroine can't cry. And... Oh, uh, horse-loving heroine. Those are my tropes. Oh, Aaron, what are your tropes? So bad first marriage, even though it was only three days, it was not great. Mm-hmm. Widow heroine, no strings attached sex. Devin wants them to kind of just like have sex basically all the time. And Kathleen basically proposes like, what if we just fuck like kind of when we want to, but kind of when I want to? And- because you always want to, and that's it's when too we much. both want to, yeah, yeah. And it's just a, uh, it's a, it's one of those things when a character sort of suggests this this sex setup that you're like, this ain't gonna work, and it's wonderful, and I love yeah. it. Whoops, almost made a baby. They mm. did make a baby, possibly, but uh, inheriting a title, heroine can't express emotion, love at first sight, horse girl heroine, an epistolatory romance because there are. There is a whole section where Devin is back in London and Kathleen is staying at Eversby and they write back and forth and the letters are like just divine. Yes. Yeah, letters. Uh, I, I, for, I forgot bread romance <laughs> and toast lifeboat. <laughs> Caught in a bread romance. Yeah. Is it based on Lady Gaga? I think that is Lady Gaga. I don't know the bread aspect of it. 
caught in a bread romance. I, I, why is this making me so angry? Why, why is I, it why? definitely should not be making you angry? I guess it's that thing of like when a, when a guy doesn't know something, they get mad about it. Yeah, like it's I think some sort of going like to tell us. Uh, a front to my intelligence or something that I can't just decipher this completely indecipherable reference. Yeah. You know, it's like when you, it takes like five to get a wordle and you just, you're like, I want to kill someone. That is a uniquely masculine (laughs) (laughs) feeling. You don't immediately put down your phone and then go outside looking for a fight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, Clayton. So what has you swooning? I mean, are there any other final thoughts or anything from... About no. Cold-Hearted Rake? No, I th- I'm excited for the rest of the Ravenels. I'm glad we're finally mm-hmm. doing it. Me too. Uh, so my swoon is actually like an app, which I don't really swoon about technological stuff. But it's – so I hate comment sections. I I don't do a lot of social media, right, mm-hmm. And I understand that that's a lot of people talking to each other, which I understand, right? If you go on Facebook, people are going to be talking to each other. If you go on Instagram, people are going to be talking to each other. Twitter, same thing. But when mm-hmm. I go to websites and I read an article, I don't want to hear what the the you know uh, the rank and file have to say about it, right? Mm-hmm. So I found this app, and it's called it's called Shut Up, and you can <laughs> add it to your browser. <laughs> And what it does is it gets rid of the comments. They don't mm-hmm. even appear. It's the best thing in the world. Because all I do is read – because you, you, you keep scrolling down because you're like, well, I'm going to – let me just see what these idiots have to say. And it just makes you angry. So I downloaded Shut Up. I put it on Chrome. And now I can just read the article and go on with my life. So it's, mm-hmm. It is – I can't believe I didn't think of it earlier – to look for something like this. And it's great that it's called Shut Up. So my, so uh, what I'm swooning about is the app Shut Up, which gets rid of comments f- on websites. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing. So, Aaron, what has you swooning? I'm swooning about a television show, as always. It's called I Love That For You. It is on Showtime. It stars Vanessa Bayer. It's show run by Jesse Klein. And it's basically, it's about this girl who lived a very sheltered life. She had cancer as a child and spent a lot of time watching like the home shopping network, especially Molly Shannon's character. And she decides when she grows up, she wants to also be on the home shopping network. So it's just basically her in this world that I think is really unique and really fun. Jennifer Lewis plays the boss of the network and she's absolutely amazing. Matt Rogers, who I also love and is super funny, plays her assistant. It's just a really well done, funny, great show. So if you're looking for something, it is about somebody lying about having cancer, but it's not heavy. Uh, it, It is kind of silly. So yeah, it's just a show that I really love. And it's called I Love That For You. I watch this show, too. I'm a big Vanessa Bear fan. Yeah. You and Pat both. And did you you know that this is ba- like that she did have childhood leukemia? Yeah. I think Pat told me that. Yeah. So it's based on her life in that way. 
Mm-hmm. And so when I saw the cast list and I saw Jennifer Lewis, I thought, oh, Jenny Lewis from Rilo Kiley, who used to be a, a kid actress. Oh, she's going to play the boss. And they're like friends in real life. I was like, oh, that's cool. But th- I thought, oh, she's going by Jennifer now. Oh. And then when I saw it was Jennifer Lewis, who I have nothing against, I was kind of bummed because I was like, oh, Vanessa Bear and Jenny Lewis in a show. Of course, I'm watching this. That's too twee. The the television set would explode from the the twee of it all. That's oh, I think Rilo Kylie fans would take offense to you calling their music twee. And okay. I would as well. All right. Fine. <laughs> I don't care. It's it'd be too, too many polka dots, too many Peter Pan callers. Okay. Too many well, adult women. That's how like Jenny them. Lewis dresses anymore, but whatever. I think you're getting her <laughs> confused with Zoe Deschanel, which is an affront. No, I know who Jenny Lewis is. But I think, yeah, I, Jennifer Lewis is a, is a icon. It's it, so what? funny. What? An icon for what? What has she done? She's a, like a comedic actress. Okay, so she's an icon? Oh my god, she's well, very I mean, she, good. It, you can't say she's an icon if she's not an icon. I mean, Beyonce's an icon. Yes. Right. Not everybody's right, an icon. Okay, she's very good. I love her. She's been around forever. She's been very funny. She's very much like herself and has her own personality, and I love her. And then I also do love Matt Rogers, who's in a um, a rom com called Fire Island that's on Hulu right now. Is he an icon? No, he's too young to be an icon. <laughs> you know day. who's an icon? Jenny Lewis from Rilo Kylie is a fucking oh, icon. Oh, God. Um, I don't think so. All right. Well, um, Aaron, where mm-hmm. can they find us? Where can they write us to debate whether or not Jenny Lewis is an icon or Jennifer Lewis is an icon? <laughs> we could have that poll. So you can email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, we're at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop. Uh, you can join us there as well. We also are on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com and search Learning the Tropes, there you'll find us. And we have merch linked below. And I think that's it. Anything else, please? It's got to be it. That's so much. I know. It's so much every week. It's so much. It's already too much. I know. We could just record me saying that, and then you could just put it in at the end. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just get a clean one of you doing it really kind of perfunctory, Mm -hmm. just real clinical. (laughs) Real cold. Make sure nobody actually wants to engage with us, because it sounds like we're reading the side effects of a pharmaceutical (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just like, (laughs) yes, exactly, grave and unfeeling. Yeah, that's what we're trying for. Through your veil that you're wearing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but that is it. We'll see you next week, guys, and until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.